the Lord loves you and can use you. You don't have to be standing in a pulpit or sing on a platform or teach a class to make a difference in this world. Come on, somebody. So usually, you know, usually we preach about, you know, the women, women at the tomb or, or the disciples in the room. <laughs> uh, I've even heard people preach about the soldiers. I mean, oh, we preach about everybody, but today I want to preach about a guy that doesn't get a lot of attention, but he really was a superhero on that day that Jesus died, and that's Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. John chapter 19 and verse 38 says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but, oh, man, you all know what to do when I point, don't you? For fear, did you ever just kind of feel like, I'm afraid to say anything. For fear of the Jews, but he stepped up anyway, and he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. So Joseph of Arimathea is mentioned by all four gospel writers, and each one, like an artist, paint a different picture of him. They don't contradict, but they paint a different picture. So I want to look at each one briefly and talk about what this man was like and maybe draw some illustrations that will help you. In Matthew, he's described as being rich. Matthew 27, verse 57 now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his, in, in his, in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the tomb door of the tomb and departed. He, he donated his own tomb. By the way, not everybody got a tomb when they died back then. Most of the time, most people just kind of got buried out in the potter's field. You had to have money to be put in a tomb. Come on. You got to pay someone to, to actually drill the thing out, pay for the property, all that stuff. So he was a very rich man, Y'all pray for my voice and I can get through this or you'll be dismissed early. <clears throat> of all days for my voice to give, right? How many believe that's the enemy? We're going to get through this. But the Bible says he donated 75 pounds of spices and, and, and they, to rub and preserve the body. 75 pounds. Now, I want you to understand... <clears throat> Even rich people would have a hard time with that. That was a lot of money. In today's money, maybe $10,000 just to put spices on the body. I am so thankful as a pastor of this church. Like I said, 41 years. I'm so thankful for people who work behind the scenes. They never get a lot of credit or recognition, but they step up when it needs to be, when, when something needs to be done. My God, thank God for those people who donate. Thank God for those people who have the gift of giving and love to give and contribute because that makes things happen. It changes 
things. Can I get an amen? Let's look at, let's look at Mark. In Mark, in Matthew, he was rich. In Mark, he's a prominent man. Mark chapter 15, verse 42. Now, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, he's at the very top of society, Jewish, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming, taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Wow. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought, bought fine linen, expensive, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he was a prominent man. He was a member of what's called the Sanhedrin, 71 men who ruled Israel. He was a very wealthy, very prominent man. And listen to me, he used his influence to get something done. You might be a secret Christian, but you have some influence. We learn how to steward our money and steward our time. Here's a thought. We need to learn how to steward our influence. We need to know who will listen and who won't listen. We need to start understanding a little bit what people might think of us and how if, you know, some of you, if you spoke up, you'd blow their minds. They expect me to give them a hard time. But what if you stepped up? So we need to learn how to be prominent, how to, how to steward our influence. Now, also in Mark, we understand that he was under pressure. And boy, if we've ever lived in a time of, <clears throat> as Christians, being under pressure, how many know it's right now? And I've got bad news for you. That's why I'm preacher. It's only going to get worse. And even though you're a secret Christian and you don't make, you know, this public spectacle, just you living the life is going to expose you. Sooner or later, people are going to start figuring out there's something different about you. You don't, lie, you don't laugh at their off-color jokes. Come on. You're not getting intoxicated with the group. The music you listen to is different. You're not laying in bed on Sunday morning. <laughs> I know some people worship at St. Mattress. Their pastor is Pastor Pillow. We understand that. It's okay. <laughs> but we're not going to be able to be secret forever. We are under a lot of pressure. Listen, <clears throat> He didn't have to do what he did. At this point, Jesus is a criminal. At this point, Jesus is a failure. They killed him. Why not just let it go? I imagine it, 
No, not his wife. I imagine somebody, I imagine somebody said, let it go. He's dead. Let's, they would have took his body out to the potter's field and just, and just buried him in a little bit of dirt. No tombstone, no graves, nothing. It just, it, how many know he stepped up anyway? Let me ask you something. Where were the disciples? Where were, where were the loud Christians? Can we take it a step further? Where was the family? Didn't he have brothers and sisters and a mother? The family is supposed to take care of the body. They're nowhere to be seen. Joseph could have used any one of those things as an excuse and said, it's not on me. It's not my responsibility. But yet he saw it as his, and he stepped up when no one else stepped up. Wow, praise God. Praise God. Let's go to Luke. In Luke, he's a good and honorable man. Most secret Christians are good, honorable people. Luke 23, verse 50. Now, behold, there was a, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented. He voted no <laughs> to their decision and deed to crucify Jesus. He was from Arimathea, city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this man went to Pilate, asked for the body, took it down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a tomb, hewn out of the rock. And that day was the preparation day, the, and the Sabbath drew near. And that's it. A man named Edmund Burke said this. You may not have known who said it, but I'm sure you've heard it. All that it takes for evil to prosper is for righteous people to do nothing. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. You might be a secret Christian, but I came by to tell you this Easter that you may very well find yourself in a situation where it's up to you and you step up and make a difference. I think you should dwell on that and think on that because you might be Joseph of Arimathea. And don't ever beat yourself up because you're not out in the public. You're not the one teaching the class. You're not, you're not, on, you're not an elder or whatever you think being a Christian is. Because really being a Christian is just somebody that's been forgiven and released from their sins. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. But we all have an inheritance and we all have a destiny. And I, I, just, I just felt led to help someone to understand that there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to have an opportunity to step up and you're going to be courageous and it's going to happen. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. I love this. This, this ought to be on everybody's refrigerator scripture. 
He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Does that answer anyone's question? That's what God requires. Justice. Justice is mentioned 400 times in Scripture. Justice was in the Scripture long before it was on the front page of the newspapers. And in Scripture, justice applies to the poor, to the widow, to the orphans, and to those alienated from society, those that are not given a fair deal, those that are being isolated and put down, those are those who require justice. And I'm here to tell you, God is on the side of those who need justice in this world. Amen. Yes, he is. And sometimes we also need to step up and do what is right. Amos chapter 5 and Verse 24, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Powerful scripture. Amen. Now there's 399 more scriptures on justice, so let's go. How many are glad I picked just one? Amen. There's a difference between an admirer and a follower. And you can be a secret Christian, but don't just be an admirer. I think a lot of Jesus. you got to take it to that next step and be a follower, secret or not. How many believe we've got to live the life? We've got to live the life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers, say doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. But For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. <clears throat> but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one, say this one, will be blessed in what he does. Oh, give God praise right there. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Gospel of John, John looks at Joseph as a man who knows how to get things done. I like guys, gals, who know how to get things done. Most of the time, they're quiet. Most of the time, they're behind the scenes. Most of the time, they don't require a pat on the back. They just see something that needs to be done, and they step up and do it. <laughs> you know, the joke around here is there's a piece of litter on the carpet, and some people will go tell someone else to pick it up <clears throat> instead of just picking it up. Come on, church. People who know how to get things done. John 19, verse 38. And this Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but 
for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate. We've, we've been through that. Next verse. And Nicodemus, there's old Nick too, amen. Remember he met Jesus at night? Amen. John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. Boy, that's a key scripture. And that came about because of old Nicodemus. He was the first Nick at night. Do I need to apologize? And Nicodemus, who, who, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came. So Nicodemus comes, steps up. He was also on the council, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. I said 75, 100 pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. By the way, why did they keep saying that? Because a lot of times they would put bodies in, the, in these tombs and let them completely decompose, completely, and then they would take the bones and put them in a jar, and then they would put that on the mantle. And then someone else gets to be buried in there. Just a little extra there for your information. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Now I want you to notice again, it wasn't the 12 disciples. It wasn't a family member. It was two secret believers who had a lot to lose. They could have lost their position, their rank, their position in society. As I mentioned, he was a criminal, and they spent a small fortune. And at this point, he's a loser. So we see this wonderful picture of ordinary people getting things done. We see it in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I'm almost finished. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And by the way, when I say that, it doesn't mean anything. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This is a picture of, of, of the early church, okay? Now, all who believed were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among them all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity and simplicity of heart. We see this snapshot of the church where there's, you know, we got the apostles, but then we just remember how many got saved? 3,000 in one day, one sermon. And everyone just found their place. And I'm sure there were a lot of secret believers. Matthew chapter uh, 18, verse 19 and 20. This is from the message. I like this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth, and make a prayer of it. My Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure I'll be there. Whew, powerful. 
We've got Joseph. We've got Nicodemus taking great risk. But Jesus assures them, whenever you step up, I'm there. I'm there. It's okay to be a secret believer, but sometimes it's time to step up. You know, we got Good Friday. But you know what they call Saturday? Some, some people call Saturday Silent Saturday. It's a day where people thought they had lost hope. Remember on the road to Emmaus, the disciples there, Luke 24, 21, as they're walking along, they didn't know they were walking with Jesus. And as, as they're walking along, they said, but we were hoping that it was Jesus who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, Besides all this, today is the third day since these things were happening. See, we were hoping, but now we've lost our hope. Jesus is dead. He's gone. It's all over. Listen, a lot of us have what I'm going to call silent Saturdays. We don't hear from God. We feel alone. Sometimes we've lost our hope. Where is he? Where is he? I thought he would answer my prayer. I thought things would change. Where is he? That silence. Silence. I was looking the other day, and I don't know if you remember Paul Simon. His last concert in Hyde Park in London. His last concert, 60, over 60,000 people at this concert. And when it starts, there's complete silence. And there's nothing but a guitar. And Paul Simon, does anyone know what song he sang? The Sound of Silence. That's weird. That's not how you start a concert. Right? You start out with your loud song. He started with the sound of silence. Silence actually has a sound. Wow. And even when God's not there, <coughs> he's there. And even when he's quiet, he's up to something. And it's like, it's like a seed underground. And I'm so related to this right now because my potatoes are in the ground. Radishes, peas, they're in the ground. And I'm just ADD, ADD enough. <laughs> I'm really not. But I, 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 I know even the radishes take three or four days. But I like to go out every day just, where you guys at? Because I know something's going on under the ground. I can't see it. I want to dig it up, but that would be stupid. <laughs> Don't dig it up. Let it grow. Just let it happen. Just be patient in the quiet moments. Because though you can't see him, and, and there doesn't seem to be anything going on. He, he died on the cross, and we're going to bury his body, and it's all over. But there's something going on 
underground. Underground, there's something going on. Just before he died in John chapter 12, Jesus told the disciples, but, you know, they didn't get it. Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. They thought, oh, he's going to be king. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and that seed actually dies. It doesn't exist anymore. It remains, but if it, it produces, sometimes things just need to die. Let me give you these points real quick. Always remember, number one, you are not alone. Things might be quiet, but you are not alone. Matthew one twenty three. you are not alone. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Translate it. God with us. Number two, don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain. Stop sitting and start searching. Stop wasting and start working. He is sometimes silent but never absent. Don't waste the pain because God will use the pain of what you're going through to get you to places you've never been before. Don't waste the pain. Don't just complain. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching to deserve all things that are commanded. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Number three, don't be weary. I mean, number three, don't waver. Don't waver. Psalms 40 and verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. He heard my cry, brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. What does establish my steps mean? He's in charge of your journey. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Come on, guys. And then don't be weary. Do you realize that Abraham, Abraham was, didn't hear from God for 25 years? Moses, 40 years. Jesus, 30 years. Jesus spent 30 years making cabinets. <laughs> I'm sure he probably thought this is a waste of my time. He wasn't, he didn't start at 18. He wasn't a boy preacher. 30 years old, he finally steps up. Even Jesus had to wait. He had to be quiet. Wow. <laughs> the day he was baptized. The Bible says right after he's baptized, you would have thought, man, let's go. He goes to the wilderness for 40 more days. There's value in silence, and your life is valuable to Jesus. Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Hello, silent Christian. Secret Christian, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. That was the text for my very first 
sermon. That was a long time ago. I, I'm so old. I, I didn't know Noah, but I knew one of his boys. That's how old. That was my first sermon. And that's going to be uh, hopefully the first thing I hear when I go through the gates. He's not going to ask me how many were in attendance on Easter Sunday. He's not going to ask me what the offering was. He's not going to ask me how I structured things or what. No, no. No, he's, he's just going to say, were you faithful? That, that, this, that's all he's going to ask. Your sins are forgiven. He's separated as far as the east from the west. Cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. God is not going to bring up your past. Except he wants to say, enter the joy of the Lord. Thou good and faithful servant. Your rewards will be based on what you do, on your works. He said, well, I'm a secret Christian. I haven't done much. Listen, we're all going to be judged on what we've been asked to do, not how much we did. Does anybody get that? You just have to do, if you do 100% of what Joseph had one job, and he did it 100%, His reward will be as great as some preacher pastoring 10,000 people because he did that one thing. Well, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you over many things. Talking about heaven, the millennium. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Oh, my God. Matthew 5, 14. We'll be done. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. How many would agree with me the world's getting darker? Okay, bad news, good news, you determine. But the news is, the darker the world is, the more your little candle is going to shine. The more you're going to stand out. So get ready, secret Christian. Get ready for that one thing, that one moment where God might call you and use you to do something amazing in the kingdom of heaven. That could be you. That could be you. I'm not here to fuss at you. I'm here to affirm you that God loves you, knows you, has a job for you. And even though it's quiet and silent, not many people know about it. I'm here to affirm you that God has a place for you and wants to use you in the kingdom. You are light. You don't have to be light, you just are.